And it reads, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brothers is a murderer, and you do not know that no and you know that no murderers have eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Amen. You may have your seat. Amen. Good morning. Uh, several of you have asked um, the reason, and we'll take a few moments to just pray. Uh, what the sheriff is out front for, that is in lieu of what happened at the school church on Monday at Covenant. So we just wanted to add a little bit uh, safety for us this morning. As you know, uh, that was a tragedy that happened, um, and we can so easily forget uh, from Monday to Sunday, uh, even now, like you're not seeing as much in the news, and it can become a thing of the past so quickly, and uh, we, I just want to take a moment to, in silence, to pray for them, pray for their families. I know uh, I have some direct friends that were uh, directly affected by the shooting on Monday, and uh, they were at the funeral. There's two funerals yesterday, and I believe the next uh, several will be over the course of the next couple of days. So I just want to take a moment to pray for those families, and then uh, we'll start here this morning. So let's take a moment of silence, and then I'll pray for us this morning. God, we do live in a tragic fallen world. And Monday was just an example of that. There are a lot of grieving people today and continue to grieve for the days, weeks, months, and years ahead of their losses. God, I pray that you would be the God of comfort, the God of peace. You tell us who you are. You are the great counselor. You are the great comforter. I, I pray that those families and friends would feel your presence even this morning. I do pray for Covenant Presbyterian Church as they would gather this morning, wherever that may be, and they would sense your spirit this morning. I know they're reeling, and I know they're confused, and God, I just pray that your presence would be felt. Pray for us as a church, God. I pray that you'd continue to keep us safe and you'd continue to allow us to see and experience who you are. You, you do tell us, though, God, in your word, that if we are to live righteous and godly lives, we will face 
persecution. And it's a scary thing to pray. It's a scary thing to think. But that is a promise that you've given to us. So I pray for courage. I pray for boldness for us as a church, as individuals that follow you. We would be willing to face persecution because of our conviction and our love for you. All the while, though, God, you would keep us safe. And so now, God, we come to your word and we look at it, that it would transform our hearts, that it would bring us both correction and encouragement, that none of us would leave the same as we came in this morning. So lead us, guide us, be our hope this morning. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. We are here in 1 John, and I, I've debated over the last couple of weeks whether to pause the series, um, and I, I won't pause. I'll even go into next week's Easter message, because next uh, week, even in this passage, we see the Easter message. And so today is Palm Sunday, and if you know about Palm Sunday, it, it's really uh, the, the, the Sunday before Jesus goes into Jerusalem, and this is the moment where the people come to Jesus and they're hailed him as king, and they put him on a donkey, and they're taking him into the city. Those same people, seven days later, will be the ones that will crucify him. And this passage speaks to that. This passage, if you have your uh, notebooks or something to write on, just take a line and do a line right down the middle of the page, and then on the top, put hate on one side and love on the other. And here's what John's going to do. He's going to contrast the two. He's going to show us what love is and what hate is. He'll start with hate and end with love. And so if you're taking notes, just if you've ever done, you know, hey, two columns, one column will cover hate, the next column will cover love as you're taking those notes. Again, if you've been with us through this series, the series is, he talks in circles. There's really just three circles he's going to talk in over and over and over again. Love God, be dedicated to God, and love other people. So now here we go back to loving other people. So he's going to say, hey, do you, are you really following God? Because if you say you follow God, then you must love people. And now he's going to show us, hey, <clears throat> this is what love is, and this is what love isn't. This is what hate is, and this is what hate isn't. So he's going to show us black and white, do you really love God and do you love other people? So all of us this morning will be able to walk out of here knowing, hey, am I really in love with people, in love with God, or do I hate people? Because if I hate people, I hate God. That, that's how simple it is. He says this in the text. This is the message. This is verse 11. From this, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Remember, we've been talking about this. This is John, the same writer that wrote the Gospel of John. John in John 13, 35, 34 and 35 says this, about this message. So This is the message that John is now referring back to in this text. This is John. He's with Jesus. This is at the... the, the this is Monday, Thursday, so take that. This is on Thursday. This would be 2,000 years ago. Jesus was with his disciples telling this before he goes to the cross. 
That's the context of this passage today. He says this to them as they're sitting there eating the Passover dinner. There's a new commandment I give to you. Let you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He's going to go in about 24 hours from this message to actually show them what that love looks like. So here's these disciples, and they have this idea of what love is, and 24 hours later, they're going to actually see what love is. Because remember what John says in John 3.16, I'll get that here in a moment. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So he's going to show us what love is through his life. But for whatever reason, John in this passage doesn't start with love. He starts with hate. I think so often in the writing of John, he brings this contrast really to show something greater than the contrast. So he could have started with love, but I think we would have lost it because if he ended with hate. So he's going to start with hate. We're going to look at a few things about hate this morning. That's in verses 12 through 15. He talks about hate. So let me read that as you put your mind on. He doesn't use the word hate, but we can see it in the passage. Verses 12 through the following. We, he's talking about the believer, should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brothers. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Just a few things, and I'll contrast the two. The first one is this. John's going to give us an example of hate. He goes to the extreme. Right? So here's the example. He's like, let me show you what hate really looks like. He says in the text, we should not be like who? Cain. Remember Cain and Abel. Cain was the firstborn of Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel were brothers. We know that in uh, Genesis chapter 4. And the scenario was this, that God had called Cain and Abel to make sacrifices to God. We are to live sacrificially. And so God had commanded Cain and commanded Abel to bring a sacrifice to show their love for God. That, that is what a sacrifice is, to show their dedication to God. Now they both do it. It wasn't that Cain didn't bring a sacrifice, and it wasn't that Abel brought a better sacrifice than Cain. That, that's not the context of what we see in this passage in Genesis 4. What we see is a man's heart of what he's bringing to God. And Cain's heart was not right before God. And when he saw a right sacrifice, a man that came with a right heart before God, it infuriated Cain. Because then he looked, at, he looked at Abel and saw the favor of God resting on Abel, and he saw that it was not resting on him, and it made him livid. So much so that it says in the text, 
that he went out and murdered him. Now here's the picture of the word murder in this text. It means to butcher somebody. So I think we can have this like image of this scene in Genesis 4 that, oh, he just kind of stabbed and he fell over. No, the word is he butchered him. Have you ever been to a butcher? It's not pretty. That's how much hatred that Cain had towards his brother. So that's the example. Now we know from Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself says this about murder. Where does it start? Starts in the heart. Starts with hatred. So for us this morning, we got to first ask ourselves, no, there's probably no murderers in here. But how many of us has it started in our hearts? So it's easy for us to point the finger at Cain and say, I'm not like him. But Jesus says, if you point the finger and you say you're not like him, then you're not really looking at yourself and examining yourself how you're just like him. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. So for you and for me this morning, the first question I have to ask myself is this. How am I like Cain? Not am I like Cain, but how am I like him? Which means we'll have to be pushed to repentance because the truth is all of us are like Cain. All of us have murderous hearts. Now he's going to show us, hey, this is what happens, and this is where it comes from. So you may be thinking, then now where does this level of hate come from? He goes on to say where it comes from in the text. So the first one, example of hate is this. Now the second one, what is the origin of hate? It's not just starting the heart, it starts somewhere else. He says this in verse 12, we should not be like Cain. Who is what? Of the evil one. The devil. That's the reason that he murdered his brother. So the origin of hate is the devil. John would say this in John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. If you have that level of murderous heart, John says, your father, who you come from, is the evil one. Your father is the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. What are his desires? John says, well, here's the desires of the evil one. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we now know, if you have a murderous heart, the origin of that is from Satan. And now John is saying, then you cannot be a son or daughter of God. I said it this way last week. I'll say it again this week. You got, we got to ask the question, Who's your daddy? Because in our hearts will reveal to us who we belong to. So the example is Cain. The origin is the evil one, the devil. And now he says, now this is the effects of hatred. 
The effects of hatred are found in verses 12 and 15. Keep reading. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So the next thing is this. What are the effects of hate? What are the effects of a murderous heart? One word and one word only. It causes division. That is what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to to bring us into division because if he knows us, we can be brought into division. He'll bring us into isolation. Isolation will always lead to evil. And so what happens with an evil heart is we lead ourselves into isolation and then we do evil things out of isolation because of why? Our desires. Because we're not meant to live in isolation. We're meant to live in community. We'll see that here in a moment. This is what James says about living in isolation that causes division. He says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not your passions that are a war within you? You desire and you do not have. When you're in isolation, you have these desires. And so John is saying, James is saying, when you're in isolation, you have these desires, and those desires are going to overcome you. And when you get overcome by your selfish desires, you're going to do evil things in order for your desires to be met. He says, you desire and you do not have, so you what? You murder. Another way to say that is you desire and you do not have, so you envy. Think about all the things that you hear in the news. When someone goes and murders someone, it's out of envy because they have something they don't have, so they rob them, they kill them to take what they do not have of their own. Where did it start? They were in isolation. They had these desires that weren't being met. They weren't patient with the Lord that the Lord would meet their desires, so they go and meet their own desires. He says, you covet and you cannot obtain So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now where does that come from? John's going to show us now where that comes from here in verse 12. Let's go back to verse 12. You should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder? Because of his deeds. And they were evil. And his brothers were righteous. So where now does it start within us? If we have a murderous heart, example of Cain, we know the origins of it are from the devil. We're now in isolation. Now where does that take us? It takes us to now we're in separation with God. That is what happened. God and Cain were separated because of Cain's wicked heart. So now you have to ask the question, This is exposing my relationship with God. This was not just exposing Cain's relationship with Abel. It ultimately was exposing Cain's relationship to God. Because God made it so clear, hey, Cain, all you have to do, he says it so clearly, hey, we'd be in right relationship if you had just come to me with a right heart. And so now Cain's faced with, then what is my relationship with God? 
And so that's what you and I have to ask when we have those places in our heart that are murderous. And what is going on in my relationship with God that this is where I'm at in my walk with him? Personal sin always motivates hate. Turn on the news. All the hatred in the world is about even what happened on Monday. And this is not a political statement. That young lady had such a hatred towards God and what? How God made her. Instead of going and struggling out loud with God about how disappointed she was with God, how God had made her, wired her, her desires, whatever was going on in her life, she didn't take it to God. She took it out on other people. And so that, what happened on Monday, revealed to us not our hatred towards man, but our hatred towards God. So, so often we can look in this world and be like, oh, they, they just hate, they just hate people. No, they really hate God. Personal sin, I'll say it again and again, will always motivate us and move us towards hating other people. We will take our resentment out on God on other people. And I want to say this, and we'll get here in a moment in the text. God is big enough for your resentment. God is big enough for your anger towards him. God actually welcomes it. God is okay with you going and cussing him out. What he's not okay with is you going to cuss out those that he created. We see that in the text. Read the book of Psalms. That is an angry man named David, and he takes it all out on God. And then there's these moments in his life that he doesn't bring his anger to, towards God, and he goes and does it towards people. That's what happened with Bathsheba. He was not okay with what he had, so he desired, and then the rest of that story is just a murderous man. But we can see, man, it all went back to his relationship with God. Because the beginning of that story, David, it says this, there's this thing that kings are ought to be doing. They ought to be going to war. And David's like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not really what I want to do, God. I know you called me to do that, but I'm not going to go do that. I'm going to do my own thing. We often think that Bathsheba started with a lustful look. No, it started with a hatred to what God had called him to do. Because he had done what God had called him to do, he would never have been on that rooftop that afternoon. He would have been doing what God had called him to do. But he's like, I got a better idea. So it shows us his hatred towards God. So it always starts with our personal sin or our personal interaction with God. And here's the result of hate. He tells us, not directly, kind of indirectly, in verse 15. What is the result of hate? That anyone who hates his brothers is a murderer. And we know this, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The result 
of murder, the result of hate, the result of a heart that is against God, is you will not have eternal life with him. That is the result. If you are not getting into heaven, if you have any ongoing, unrepented sin or hatred towards God. So that's what hate is. So now I'm going to pause and ask you to do an inventory of your life. Is there any hatred in your life? And if so, confess. But now I want to bring us to the promise. Thank God he doesn't, John doesn't just say, here's what, it, here's what hate looks like. He's not like, let me show you some hope. Because the opposite side to the coin of hate is love. So now what does love look like? What has God called us to? If the new commandment is that we are to love one another the way that Christ loved us, then what does that look like? So again, I'm going to walk us through the same places. I'm going to look at the example of love, the origin of love, the effects of love, the motivation of love, and the results of love. So now on the other side of your paper, now you have the column of hate. I'm going to show you, hey, this is what happens with love and how it happens. The first one is this. Who is our example of love? If our example of hate is Cain, then who's our example of love? He says it. Christ. Jesus is. He is the ultimate example. He says this. He says in the text, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love our brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know, <clears throat> we know that no murderer has eternal life. Then he says this, by this we know love. So here's the example. He laid down his life for us. Well, who's the he in the passage? Jesus. Which points us right back to Easter, Good Friday. He laid down his life for us. For us. One writer says this about the example of love. He says, there's hardly a passage in the New Testament that speaks of God's love that it does not also speak about the cross. Let me say that one more time. There is hardly a passage in all the New Testament that speaks of God's love doesn't simultaneously speak about the cross. He's not talking about the cross. He's talking about Jesus who hung on the cross. So our great example for love is Jesus. Remember what John said. I, I read it early. I'll say it again. He says this in John 3, 16 and 17. For what God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. For God showed His love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. So when we see in the text, He, Jesus, laid down His life for us. That's the example. So now I've got to ask the question, and you've got to ask the question, does my life look like a life of love? 
self-sacrifice. Where does that love originate? It originates in what we just read. It doesn't originate in Christ. Like it's not the origin is not Christ. It says this in John 3, 16, for who? It doesn't say Christ so loved the world. It says God so loved the world. So the origin of love is God. Do we believe that? He says it this way in John chapter 3, verse 10. By this is it evident that those who are children of God and who are children of God and of the devil, who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So we know if you want to know if you're from God, then you will know how you live out your life through love because the origin of love is God. Let's go to the next one. What's the effects of love? Right? If the effects of hate is division, then the effects of love has to be unity. Well, how do we achieve unity? He says it in the text. He says, we have to lay our down. We ought to lay our lives down for the brother. What it, would it look like for us to be a church that would lay our lives down for one another? Would that not cause unity? Like if we lived in such a way that we lived so sacrificially with one another that I was really willing to die for you and you for me, that would cause unity. And so I'd ask us as a church this question. Is our church marked with that kind of love? Unifying love. A sacrificial love for one another. He goes on to say this. This is the last two. Then what motivates our love? If the motivation of hate is personal sin, what is the motivation for our love? It's found in verse 16. By this we know that we that he laid down his life for, for, for us, that we ought to lay our lives down for one another. Our motivation for love is Christ. The cross, what we come to celebrate next Sunday, the resurrection, that ought to motivate everything that we do. But we can't be motivated by the cross if we don't truly understand who died on the cross. Do we have such a relationship with Christ Jesus who laid down His life for us? Because without that relationship with Christ, you'll have no motivation for love. Like everything you do, even when you love other people, if you do not have Christ, it will be as some level of self-gain, not self-sacrifice. Because Christ gained nothing by laying his life down for us. There was no gain in it for him. It was strictly obedience to God. And so for you and me, when I look at Christ and his death on the cross, there was no gain. So when I lay down my life for you, there ought to be no gain in that. And that's what has to motivate us. I do this not because I have to. I do this because I want to. Our love ought not to be out of have tos. It ought to be driven by I want to. 
And then he says this in closing. Go back to verse 14. If the result of hate is eternal death, then what's the result of love? Let's go to 14. He says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. So we know this in the text. If the result of hate is eternal death, we know the result of love is eternal life. It all hinges on love. How are we loving? But it hinges on this. Have you received the love of the Father through Christ Jesus? Because you won't be able to do these things. You will not be able to love in a Christ-like way without Christ being in you. Without Christ in you, the love of Christ will never come out of you. So you've got to ask yourself this question. Do you believe in the example of the greatest love that's ever been given to you? The cross. Because if you do not have that, you are going to be filled with hate. Now that hate might look masked, it might look nice, it might look kind, but in the end, I promise, it's all out of selfish desires. And so for you and for me, as we come to the end of this text, we say this as a way of application. In verse 18, he goes through what love looks like. And he says this in 17 and 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or deed, but in deed and in truth, in action. So the application this morning is, now has the love of God through Christ Jesus come into your life and it moves your hands and feet to other people. Do you and I, and I'm not saying every homeless person on every exit between here and Nashville because there's 10 million of them. I'm not saying we just go hand out money, but are you listening to the Spirit of God in you that motivates you to go meet the needs of other people? And I don't mean money. I don't mean clothes. I mean, is there a love motivation you for them. That is what John is talking about. May love be our motivator, not in speech, but in action. So now ask yourself, I got to ask myself, and we as a church got to ask ourselves, does our lives look like we're being motivated to love for a lost world? Let me close there this morning.